This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. What the F, man. It is the Matt McNeil Show, coming to you live from Bali today. Oh, man. All right, are you ready for it? Everybody ready? Moist. Yes. Oh, God. It is brutal out there right now. It was brutal this morning. Brett, what, what was the first time you poked your head out the door this morning? About 930. I let, do- I let my dog out at 630 this morning, and the, the sliding glass door immediately fogged over. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Did your dog look at you like seriously? That's <laughs> like, you oh, go all right, fine. I'll do this begrudgingly, but that's that's all you're going to get from me today. Uh, no, just I, I, well, I got out of the, I went I was at the Y today. I got out of the Y at 9:30 this morning. It was 89 degrees and basically Bangkok as far as humidity. It was it was yikes. Oh, so you're thinking this is beyond southeastern United States. Oh no, this is this is Savannah. This, you know, Savannah. You just, you just, you kind of. If you go to Savannah in summer, you just kind of have to accept it. Which, by the way, uh, have you ever been down there? Uh, not to Savannah. No. no, go to Savannah. It's it's got it's a very European style laid out city. So it has all these public squares, and the trees are enormous. So there's lovely shaded areas and a lot of history about the area. Not just uh, you know the sometimes you get in the south and they only concern themselves with the Civil War history, but a lot of Revolutionary War history and and stuff like that that they have there. Um, the yeah, it, it's a a very it's a nice city, but it just it's it's like this. This is summer in that in that part of the country, which is why I live here, <laughs> and I do not live there. Living there would be a touch difficult because it's on fire, basically. Ugh. What is it? it, it we didn't hit. Uh, we're not as hot as it was yesterday, but it's uh, we're at ninety. We're at ninety five. Ninety six is our high today. I think. What, what did we top out at yesterday? Ninety nine. I some places broke 100. Some places did. I don't think the cities did, though. Did they? Did the airport break 100? Uh, that I remember. Ugh. Well, no, it is it is. Um, we're 96 today, so a little bit a little bit cooler today. I will say it's it definitely starts to to move on, although uh, 90 is the high tomorrow. It's still going to be a little bit ripe. Uh, Saturday is going to feel freaking fantastic because it'll be 77 degrees. So just yeah, keep that in mind. It is also we are our state is basically 40 degrees difference right now. Uh, up on the North Shore, I think it was in Tofty, it's 59 degree or 50 59 58 degrees right now. It's a 40 degree difference. That's nuts. That's what five hours. It's ten degrees every 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 hour, you know hour of driving basically. God, that's oh, amazing. that would be a change to go same state fifty eight degrees. I noticed that a little bit when I was out west in the mountains. Is that you'd be down in the valley and it's like okay, roasting hot, and then you get up there and it's like okay, this is kind of cool up here. You know, it's a little chilly. It's uh, yeah, I can get it. And I'm like, okay, another reason why I don't live in the west is because come on, pick a climate. Okay, I just you know, pick a climate. Am I, am I in the desert? Am I in a forest? I'm in the mountains. What am I in? 
I, you know, they, they, they used to have, there was a road there. I thought it was hilarious because it was one of the few areas in winter that would get snow. And quite literally, it was the only road to the other side of the, the mountain range. And so quite literally, they, even though it would be like 80 degrees and sunny in the, the valleys, it was snow there and they couldn't get through. It's like, who picked, okay, come on. The wagon train, you got California all the way out there. Just take it the rest of the way. You know, what are you doing? Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine 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 five two nine nine four six six two zero five. I uh, the Twins game. I was getting. I was just thinking about the score here. Six five. I think is the Twins are still leading. But yeah, after last night, I guess I hope they pull more pitchers. <laughs> he pulled him at seventy eight pitches after he retired eight straight. He retired eight straight. Pulled him at seventy eight pitches. What are you doing, you freaking idiot? Well, I, I saw his explanation. Well, we, he's reaching his innings limit. He's never thrown that many pitches. Well, how is he ever going to throw that many pitches if you never let him throw that many pitches? Rocco does lot. He the doesn't logic know. Makes no sense. He doesn't know how to manage. I mean, it's we are literally in the first round of the playoffs, just going to get outmanaged, not by anyone else, by him. You know what? I think I need to pull my starter in the third inning. That's a great idea. With that bullpen, good thinking. I, I, you know, can, can, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, they're going to start the show today. The first is a, a photo I posted last night. Now, um, I went up to the Wellstone Memorial. Brett, once again, I'll ask you, have you ever been up to that one? This is the memorial, not the gravesite, the memorial. Uh, not, no, not that one, no. This is up just south of Eveleth off of US 53. It's about three miles off of US 53. Um, the, this is kind of near where the plane crashed. And, uh, you know, obviously a, you know, obviously a, um, a very tragic accident there, uh, a very sad accident. And they built a memorial up there, and it's quite lovely, actually. If you've never been... I do recommend going to it because, you know, Paul Wellstone was, you know, he was he was going to win another term in office. I mean, he was going to win another term. Hands down, Norm Coleman was not about to beat him. And, um, he, you know, it, it was just a tragedy that that the plane crashed when it did. And the, um, you know, the the the, the park, the little memorials in two different areas, two different sections. On one section, it's a it's a round trail that basically has a monument to everyone who was on the plane and the other side is is a, just a walkway out and it's not to the crash site i think you're about 2000 feet from the crash site there and that's in the middle of the woods um but you you know you're kind of in the position where you're looking out to where that crash site was i will say there is a path that goes out there but if you do want to go do that you do need to have hiking boots on, and you need to have – I mean, that is like Tickville up there. You need to – long pants, long shirts. You know, you shouldn't be – that's not a, a, a flip-flops and shorts kind of walk. You need to actually be that's, – that's a hike hike. So just keep that in mind. So this actually um, – this actually um, piggybacks on something that happened the other day. Uh, when uh, or a few weeks ago, when I was out hiking around, and I went to Tierney Woods Park. Now, if just a little bit of a background for you, back in 2020, when the COVID thing came down, we sat here and it's like, what can we do? 
And we basically said, well, they, we talked to the parks people, and they said, go to the parks. And so that's why we started going to the parks, hence where the calendar comes from. That was all park pictures, and we did that. But that was my what I was doing, and, and we were getting out. I went back, and I looked at my amount of steps per week. My average steps per per, per day back then was well over 11,000 because we were just going to parks all the time. And we'd go hiking parks just because it was the only thing you could do. And it got the kids out, and winter, summer, we did it all year that year. And kind of been continuing doing that. Haven't been doing it as much, but uh, have continued to do that. One of the things that was really remarkable to me was very rare a lot of maintenance issues or the, the trails were closed or, or something of that nature. Um, it, was, it was unfortunate when I went down, um, what was a Travis DeSue, uh, uh park down in St. Peter. And went down there, and they had one of the trails there that was completely blocked off. You know, that, that was trouble. I went to Tierney Woods, which is a Three Rivers Park System park. I just was there like four weeks ago. The park was half – there were like five trees down blocking the path there. One of them was pretty severe to where it kind of – it was to get me you – know, it was a little bit of work to get me over the thing because it was, it was you know, it was a large tree. And and I talked about this. I said, you guys are going to need to send someone out there to maintain these things because th- these parks are great. Their parks are magnificent. You have to have the people that are maintaining them. And I'm, I'm actually kind of stunned that the parks are not being maintained. That being said, this isn't a park per se. A few years ago, we're hiking three right on the riverfront. And I came across the 35W Bridge Memorial for the people who died on the 35W Bridge. And it was a freaking embarrassment. It was overgrown. It was dirty. There was graffiti over it, trash around, weeds growing out of everything. And I'm like, this was, what, 10 years ago? You know, wait wait a second. How, how in the world did this get so unruly in 10 years? And, and the good news is if you go up to the Guthrie, you can go out on that uh, Skyway and look down. They have cleaned that up, and someone is maintaining it now. You should not have memorials get that out of control. You shouldn't. You, 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 someone needs to get on out there. That's why it was somewhat disappointing um, to go on out to the Wellstone Memorial and find you know trees fallen, blocking the path on the memorial path there, uh, clearly overgrown. One of the paths had not been maintained at all. There was a path that connected the round circle over to the, the viewing area. That had not been maintained at all and completely was overgrown. It was very unfortunate. It was very unfortunate. And I posted a picture. I posted the picture. And, and I want to say this. This is not like, oh, Matt, well, the tree just fell down. No, that you could tell the one tree that was down had been down for a while. A lot of people had to, had to break off branches and kind of walk around. It, there, it, it looked like it came down with some other trees. And those other trees, I'm going to guess, was you know maybe a month or so, I mean, which is really unfortunate that no one had gone out there to do any basic maintenance of that that memorial for a month. And I posted this last night just kind of – I was going to bring a little attention to it, ended up being a lot of attention. A lot of people were really bothered by this. And so it sounds like I've, I know some people who are in the process of, of trying to get someone up there to maintain it and to get it cleaned up. Um, I had an excellent suggestion from someone who said, why don't we get the Boy Scouts, the Scouts involved? This is kind of one of, right up their alley. They're always looking for projects and, you know, they can clean off the path and, you know, trim the, trim the, you know, the, the large branches away. Perfect. I, you know, I that, that sounds like for if you're up in the Eveleth area, um, 
that uh, is it Fail Township. It's Eveleth Fail Township by Wabix up there. Gilbert's up there. It's 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 a little far further south than uh, for Virginia, but still, it's not that obscene of a drive. You could easily get down there from Virginia. It's off of US fifty three. Like I said, right. Um, uh, it's about about five miles south of Eveleth. That's where the the memorial site is. A lot of people uh, are upset about that. A lot of people are upset about that. And so I, I just want to let you know, I just want to let everyone know that that although my intention wasn't to basically, you know, start any kind of, you know, four-alarm fire with this, it, it does seem like some people are very upset about the fact that there, there's, you know, it hasn't been maintained, it cleaned up, which, thank you. That's the, that's the least we do. That's the point of it. The point of it is we have a memorial to remember the people that, you know, tragically... Whether that's the 35W Bridge Memorial, whether that's the Paul Wellston Memorial, they, we, we, we've taken the time to, to build a memorial for these people. It does us no good to basically then just ignore it. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, it shouldn't just be, well, that was 20 years ago, Matt. Come on. Okay, well, then did you just do the memorial to make yourself feel good at that moment? You have a sitting U.S. senator from the state of Minnesota who dies in a tragic plane accident with a with a wife, and it's worth the time to basically make a memorial. But it only it only the people who are who are tasked with maintaining it actually doing the job and maintaining it. Seriously, I mean it's I I, I have it's one of the things I actually also by the way I was up there I stopped by the. Uh, uh, the Minnesota Veterans Cemetery, just north of Duluth, off of uh, 53 there. And if it's one of the things, can I just tell you how proud as a veteran of the U.S. Army myself, as an American, to go in there and how pristine that small – it's not a, the biggest cemetery. It doesn't have the most gravestones in it, but it's pristine. It is maintained, it's mowed, it's taken care of. The flowers are beautiful. I was the only I was in there for about 45 minutes. I was the only person in there. And it was pristine. That's a memorial. In that case, a cemetery too, but it's well, it's it's a memorial. You're paying tribute. That's if you're gonna do these things, take the time and maintain them, please. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I guess we are going to talk sports. I got to talk a little bit about the, what happened with the Lynx game last night and apparently Chumbalone uh, fans sitting behind the Dallas bench. We'll talk about that. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Okay, a lot of things I got to talk about really quick here. We've got Stein coming up here in the bottom of the hour, about ten minutes or so. We could see be seeing Russia going into a, a civil war right now because, in case you missed it, Progrosian, the guy that had Wagner, this is the guy that basically was back in June was running up to Moscow, and like the entire Moscow government fled, and was you know there was a negotiation, and apparently he felt that he could trust Vladimir Putin. And the Russian air defense apparently just shot, shot their plane down, killed him, the founder of Wagner, uh, some other people. The Wagner military crews are not happy. And right now, there's just, if you're looking at any of the things, especially the Ukrainian, the people that are following the military for the Ukrainian side and stuff like this, they're just, there's so much going on right now that clearly there's a frantic, I mean, 
frankly, Wagner wasn't being stopped the last time they were running up to, to, to Moscow. I don't know how in the world they're going to try to stop them there. I'll keep an eye on that. We'll get an update coming up here in the next hour. So on a far lesser scale of important news, uh, last night the, twi- uh, the, uh, the Target Center, they had the uh, Lynx played Dallas, the Dallas Wings. Uh, after a near collapse, the uh, one Lynx player had been ejected after the Dallas Wings almost climbed back to nine points down with two minutes and 25 seconds left. After a series of official reviews, Lynx held for a 91-86 victory. We were playing hard, uh, said Nafisa Collier, who scored 29 points. Uh, she admitted that it seemed like the team lost its mind a bit late. We're just not kept playing. We've kept around. Uh, revenge, the last time the Wings came to Target Center, they handed the Lynx the worst ever loss, a 40-point one-sided beating just before the WNBA All-Star break in July. On Tuesday, the Lynx left the floor bathing in the sigh of relief, and the Wings left breathing fire. After Wings forward, uh, Satao Sabli, uh, Sabli, I believe is, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, Sabli, I think it is. She injured her left foot and ankle on a closeout by Bridget Carlton. In a three-point attempt late, three Lynx fans were ejected during the ensuing review that upgraded a foul to a flagrant foul that Carl- caused Carlton's ejection after the game. Sabley, who got up and made three free throws before leaving the court, ripped the hometown crowd by reveling in their pain. Disgusting fan base in Minnesota, Sabali uh, said, posted on an, an X after the game about uh, the crowd of 6,921 the schadenfreude and see someone get hurt and can't be an NBA culture, WNBA culture, terrible words from the sidelines all game long. Now, first of all, um, I'm sorry that this happened to you. I'm sorry that they basically um, – they, that, that's inappropriate that they were chewing, you know, cheering on your injury, but screw you for ripping on Minnesota. Um, okay, just seriously. Uh, you know, just – so three fans are, are, are being jackasses. Don't rip on the city. Don't rip on the state. All right. It's just it, it's it's unfortunate. I'll be the first to say it. But and and by the way, it's time, it's going to be time for you. Your we'll see how how civil your crowd is because there's a rematch between the teams in Dallas coming up here on Thursday tomorrow night. We'll see how civil the Dallas fans are towards uh, Minnesota fans. And will you be yay cheer on their injury? You hack. Will you? Because I'll be the first to say, no, they shouldn't be doing that. And a little note to everyone out there. If you are so wrapped up in a sports team that you are cheering when someone gets injured, you need to step back, reevaluate your life on a few different levels, okay, and reapproach things because you're failing. You shouldn't be like that. It's not the WWE where the injuries are written into the script, okay? You know, it, it, you know she got injured. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't, I, you know, how in the world do you walk into a stadium and like, I'm going to cheer if the other team gets injured? I mean, seriously. Uh, you do a lot more sports than I do. I mean, it's. This is not common anywhere around here, is it? No. I know that when when there have been times when like Green Bay Packer quarterbacks have gone down and people cheer, it's like, oh come on, grow up. Seriously, just grow up. Ugh. 
uh, with a flashpoint came with 25.4 seconds left. Minnesota up six. Collier missed an up on a play. Carlton trying to cover was called for a second flagrant foul and ejected. Sabali's free throws made it a three-point game on the ensuing possession. Dallas's Vernon uh, Veronica, excuse me, Veronica Burton was fouled and made one of two free throws with 25 seconds left. Her second attempt missed and went out of bounds. Officials originally awarded the ball to Dallas, but only to reverse the call upon review. Then in order, Collier made two free throws with 22.76 le- seconds left for a four-point lead. Uh, a Dallas player uh, hit a three-pointer uh, less than three seconds later. Kayla McBride made two free throws with 18.8 seconds left. Collier out-rebounded in in the ensuing miss. Uh, Afterwards, Lynx coach Cheryl Reeve apologized on behalf of the Lynx to both uh, Savali and the Dallas coach uh, Trammell. So, it's really unfortunate that that's the case. I'm sorry you got injured. I am. I truly am. That's that's it's it's I have a daughter that plays soccer. She has torn both her ACLs. You know, it's no one's cheering. No one's happy. Um, The one girl that that kind of unintentionally clipped her and caused the second one was in tears on the sidelines, feeling so bad about it. No one no one should be cheering on an injury. And that's the reality. I'm sorry you got injured. Hopefully you recover. Yeah, I'm sure you you want to get back out there on Thursday to take on the the uh, Lynx when you're down there in Dallas. But that being said, and and to the three players, good, you should be thrown out and you shouldn't be allowed back in there. If you have lost sense of reality that badly that you cannot basically go to a sporting event and not, you know, cheer on injuries, come on, you shouldn't be there. I'm going to presume it was beer. That's the only thing I got, I'm going to presume that there is there is an alcohol sale issue going on here. But don't rip on all of Minnesota just because of, of a three of three people. Because trust me, I could go to Dallas and rip on that city from the hundreds of people we could run into in that town. Talking cowboy fans, yes. Well, cow, cowboy fans. I'm talking just regular citizens running down the street. Dallas is far from the pantheon of success, okay? <laughs> you want to you go? We can go. Trust me. You know, it, it's, yeah. I'm, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And so, and by the way, now you've got to put your money where your mouth is. Now you've got to hope your Dallas fans don't basically do even worse to which you're going to say, well, it's justified when it's my fans. Well, because I mean, I'll be calling you out. I'll be definitely calling you out if it does get bad down in Dallas and you don't just condemn it in the same urgency that you condemn the people in Minnesota. 952-946-6205. Stein, when we return, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Jeff Stein's our national and presidential expert, noted author. Find his books over at Next Chapter Books, totallyiowa.com. The Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report come to us from KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo. And Jeff cannot explain where he was 
in the if he was responsible for uh, Progrosian's plane crashing in Russia. Jeff, what, what what is your response? What's your excuse? Plane crash? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what they actually did is they flew, uh, if I understand it correctly, a building up high, and then the plane crashed out of the 12th story of the building up in the air and then fell into a firing squad. So purely an accident. I don't know why anyone's questioning anything. Here's the thing. Yes. It's not that we're surprised that this happened. No, not at all. We're surprised that it didn't happen when he was being escorted to the other country. Belarus. That's what I expected. <laughs> what I expected was kind of a Henry Blank goes back to uh, the stateside when he left MASH and his plane was shot down mysteriously over, you know, Hawaii or whatever it was. Not, yeah. That's what I expected. I was going Rosencrantz and Gildenstern. We're not coming back. <laughs> I was going to go with that one. <laughs> but, no, it was it, – it, it, that was funny because Huffington Post said, shocker. I said, Really? Really wasn't a shocker. I don't think it was a shocker. I think I was, I'm, I'm pretty was. I think this was going to happen. So, uh, that, this is a time, darling. I always got one. Wait, wait, wait. Work, but I always got one. <laughs> I just thought since you were talking about uh, you know Putin and Russia, I'd uh, you know. Is that moose and squirrel? Natasha, is that miserable moose and squirrel? Yeah, yes, that's there, it. There it is, dude. Moose and squirrel. Uh, which, by the way, Bullwinkle just—we've been announced that Bullwinkle just fell out of a twelve-story building. So uh, it's uh, all our best, oh, to everyone in Frostbite Falls. <laughs> the fact that you pulled Frostbite Falls out without even giving it a thought—that's outstanding. That's next level, sir. Hey, rookie, one me watch, watch me pull a, a human being off the twelfth floor. Uh, all right, so uh, okay. <laughs> That all aside, we'll get to – because this is breaking because everything is going crazy right now in Russia. I mean nuclear weapons are being moved around and the Wagner leadership is meeting. I'll try to give an update on that in the 4 o'clock hour if there is one, whatever whatever it is. But we got so many things to talk about. Um, Okay, I want to go through the Trump legal roundup. Because in each of these cases, well, at least in the three of the cases. You, you have like music and a sounder and, and production for this. The Trump legal roundup. Trump, it, it seems like there should be some music, uh, you know, an introduction. Well, there should be. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I think we're in season six right now. Um, so I'm going to go to, let's go to DC, the Jack Smith case. This yeah. is the, 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 yeah. the insurrection case. Yes. Um, the thing, okay, so I don't know if you remember, you and I talked about this back in 20, actually probably been early 2021, maybe even, um, you know, the week before, you know, the, the Wednesday before the insurrection, I'm not sure, but it was bizarre. There was a movement by the Bi- incoming Biden team who replaced everyone on Joe Biden's secret service detail. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was December 30th or December 31st mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. 2020. They replaced it, and I said, that doesn't seem right. I've never heard of anything like that. And Mm -hmm. there has always been this connection between the Secret Service and Trump, which clearly went beyond what other presidents had had relationships with. Now we actually, because Jack Smith has, remember the Secret Service said, oh, we just did maintenance and we got rid of every text and email on january 6th just we we upgraded the system and we lost stuff in the transfer who hasn't lost stuff when they've upgraded their phone and they all happen to be on the one of the more important historical days in the country's history the they that happened well apparently jack smith has found them and he's found a lot of them i'm not sure if he's found the text messages but he's got emails and we now know definitively that there were Secret Service agents who were in contact and working 
hand in hand with the Oath Keepers, at least in November of that year of the 2020. Um, and there's always been this question of whether or not, I mean, even Mike Pence wasn't trusting his Secret Service detail at the Capitol and refused to get in the car with him. He refused and stayed, which is once again one of the reasons why, you know, January 6th didn't end up even being more chaos. But, you know, this is this is this is scary stuff. The idea that maybe the Secret Service has been compromised. If true, it certainly would be. Now, you forwarded me an article and there's a confirmation from the Secret Service that there had been contact. OK, that already raises a red flag, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. You know, and the fact that it was and the fact that it was not just, oh, by the way, reporting that I got a call from this guy. It was part of what appeared to be an ongoing dialogue. They were already familiar, et cetera. So, sure, it raises some questions. We have said, I think, consistently, that the D.C. Circuit case is, in essence, of the four, the best case for from a prosecutorial standpoint. And here's why. One defendant, you're not cluttering it up with co-conspirators, And it is a very limited set of charges. What for? Right. So as opposed to this, this, uh, you know, clown car of defendants coming out at the courthouse in Georgia, because there are 19 of them, as opposed to documents and false testimony that maybe isn't false testimony or whatever in Florida and the stuff in New York, which is a state case, as opposed to those that D.C. indictment is the one that is the most streamlined and it could potentially be the most devastating. And you just added, a, a, you know, a few more logs to the fire on that. Well, and, and that's Jack Smith's profile is that he doesn't he doesn't bring in a lot of extras. He bring, he gives you the meat, the meat and potatoes and that's it. And he seems to have taken what the the January 6th commission was doing, which was a lot of other stuff and kind of really streamlined it down to a here's the problem. And even I was watching um, a former GOP um, appointed district judge saying, you know, you people have to understand this case has nothing to do with politics. This is basically a criminal act. And even he was saying that the way that this case is being presented in D.C. is very, very trouble is going to be very troubling for Trump. That's why he wants to move it to 2026. Well, he wants to move it to 2026 because obviously he will pardon himself by then should he get elected. The other reason, and and, and I, I did not hear anybody say this, but I was waiting for it. I was waiting for someone on that side to say, well, they had two and a half years to investigate and file the charges. We ought to have two and a half years to plan our defense. that would be about the most unique argument you could find. And that's the only, I can't explain why else you'd say 2026, unless what you're trying to do is to do this, this, you know, preschool game of uh, they got, you know, two more Cheerios than I did. And so, you know, it's, that's the only thing I can think of because there's nothing magical about 2026 is there other Mm -hmm. than it's the same amount of time from charging forward as it was from, charging back to the original incident. Well, I, and I did have someone who I know who's a very big pol- political person who says, you know, if you want to know how Trump just doesn't care about anyone else but himself, what does go on in 2026 will be the midterm elections. Mm-hmm. And if, if all of a sudden he's pardoning himself from things, it will wipe out the Republicans in that midterm election. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's so it's, it's he's just pushing it down the road. He, he doesn't really well, care about the GOP. Well, now you've got at least half the people on the stage in Milwaukee tonight who will say the same thing, 
that he frittered away every opportunity to build the GOP, and that's why there was not a bigger House majority in 2022, etc. The thing is, if he gets it bumped to 2026 and does get elected in 2024 and does pardon himself, it's going to be right away, right? It's not like you're going to sit and wait. You're going to cut your losses. It's the night of the 20th. Uh, you know, in between two of the inaugural balls, you're pardoning yourself. And so it will be removed in time from the midterm. But your broad point about who's going to bear the brunt in of any of those actions, it's going to be the people on the ballot in the next election. And he's not one of them. We got to turn to Atlanta. And yes, it is a cavalcade, a clown car. It is. But I, funny thing, because some, some, you and I both follow news, and, I, and I, I, I could not help but chuckle at this. So Giuliani comes out earlier this week, says, I'm broke. Now, I did take a private plane down to Atlanta today, so I'm not sure how broke he is. But he's put his $6.5 million place up for, for sale. He's trying to pull out money. And you find out that he's not been really paid by Trump. That basically Trump has been said that unless he wins, he doesn't get paid. He's gotten some money, but not a lot. So yes, You're not surprised at that part, right? Not in, not in the least. Not in okay. the least bit. Just wanted to make sure. Okay. I mean, I mean, how many lawyers? He has left so many lawyers unpaid, it's not even funny. But you get yesterday, there's a story. I mean, that's a very public story. It gets a story that he's talking about meeting with uh, Fannie Willis. And then by that evening, there's a fundraiser at one of the golf courses, I think it's Bedminster, Bedminster, that just got announced that Donald Trump proudly prevent, presents the fundraiser for America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. You know, it's, it was clear. It's like, don't talk to her. We'll do a fundraiser. I'll get the good shrimp and the McNuggets. You'll have a good time. And, and, and it was, it's, it was kind of interesting to see frantically. How crazy this is. Yeah. A co-defendant <laughs> is holding a fundraiser for a co-defendant in a criminal conspiracy case involving felonies. It's, it's amazing. When was the last time? I mean, where's the give, send, go account? You know, where's the GoFundMe account? I, I <sighs> Just a picture of Giuliani with hair ink running down his cheek looking, please help. I need a change. Uh, I, I just, That's your T-shirt right there. There it is. You don't need the mug shot. You need the oozing, oozing Rudy shot. <laughs> um, it is interesting, too, though. Because, OK, clearly uh, my guess is Meadows is, if not already rolled, he's going to roll. But you, did you see the story yesterday about the, the former head of the GOP in Georgia basically doing the Nuremberg defense? We were his, – his response is we were following Trump's orders. I said, wow, that didn't take too long. He is trying to – he's already throwing it all on Trump, which I think was a signal that he's more than willing to flip and, and get, off, get, get rid of his charges if it helps. Historically – I was only following orders is not exactly the, the, the defense you think it is. But it is it's it is already interesting to see that the head of the GOP, the former head of the GOP in Georgia has already said, no, this is Donald Trump made these orders and we are following his orders and his lawyer's orders. But who is he to give orders to the head of a state party? Yeah. OK, this is the distinction between the Nuremberg defense. Yes. At least in some cases, it was soldiers in a military, et cetera. You know, Trump calling the head of a state GOP, and I understand it's the president of your party or whatever, but the commander in chief thing doesn't apply 
if you are a, quote, foot soldier in the electoral wars. So, I mean, the I'm following orders routine under under penalty of what? I mean, following orders is literally a commander in chief telling a general to do something, a general telling a private to do something. That's following orders. I don't I mean, if. If that's the best you've got. Well, that, and, but he did put that in there. He did, I think the term is, he's the commander in chief. Well, you're not wearing, you know, you know, a, you know, a, a sergeant's, uh, you know, emblem on your shoulder. So you, you can't argue that's that. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yes, he's the commander in chief, but I'm not in the military. Done. Uh. Uh, then let's head to Florida because here's you know here's another one. Uh, this was the story yesterday. The IT worker that Mar-a-Lago has has basically uh, changed his testimony that it was um, the federal charges brought against Trump on month were largely uh, relied largely on a testimony of a Mar-a-Lago employee um, who prosecutors allege were asked to delete surveillance footage subpoenaed by investigators immediately after receiving new counsel. Uh, Tavares changed his testimony and provided information implicating Trump. D. Oliveira and Walt Nauta, uh, per the new filing from special counsel Jack Smith's office that identifies the IT worker as Trump employee number four. You and I had talked about, I mean, you know, he's not going to be able to corral the cats in Atlanta. He's trying desperately to corral the cats down at Mar-a-Lago with the documents case, namely that these these two employees uh, basically are not being let out of his sight. And he's being, they're being flown around wherever he is right now. This employee, this other employee, this IT worker, he had a Trump-funded lawyer. They got rid of that, and the minute they got rid of it and had a you know a court-appointed federal lawyer take over, he immediately changed his testimony because clearly someone said, you're going to be the fall guy here. So you, do you really want to do this? I don't know. With Cannon, Cannon is, is a loose cannon, but, I mean, it's it's she's clearly – trying to take a very different approach to this case than the other ones. I don't know what it does, but it, needless to say, it, it really does undermine his case that now all of a sudden, I mean, sure, you're going to get the, well, you, were you lying then or a lying now thing, but it, th- that case is blowing up on him too. All right. So the individual who changed his testimony. Yes. Tavares. Is facing charges or is not facing charges? He was identified. He's he, basically it's testimony uh, that I don't believe he's uh, he's not okay. facing charges right now. That's the key. Now this is the key. All right, and and this goes along with what you're talking about. Originally, he's called in to give a statement. He has a Trump lawyer because hey, I work for Trump. Can you help me out? Sure. Here's the lawyer. Here's what you say. So he dutifully followed orders. Yes. And then when it was, okay, you're not charged anymore, the prosecu- or you're not going to be charged, the prosecution is looking at the statements and saying, okay, we can prove that you lied to us under oath. Now, you want to work with us and revise your statement. Okay, now here comes new lawyer who's like, you told them what? Okay, they have him dead to rights. They must. Because you don't change your testimony on a fundamental item unless the prosecution says, we can prove you lied. So we're going to charge you with perjury. If you care to give a revised statement because you may have misstated a few things, then we'll take that. The revised statement is then what's going to be used against those who are facing charges. And to your excellent point about, well, were you lying under oath then or lying under oath now? 
Well, uh, Your Honor, I was lying under oath then because the attorney I had provided by defendant number one advised me to do that. You, That's going to get past it, don't you think? I mean, if you're a juror, all right, Matt McNeil, common citizen, if you hear the individual say, yes, I did lie under oath originally, but I am telling you the truth now. And the reason I lied under oath originally is because defendant number one was paying for my lawyer and I thought that's what I should do. You're going to cut him some slack on veracity of statement, are you not? You will. And here's the other thing, too, and you've talked about you've talked about this. He mm-hmm. said, you've got boxes of documents. Someone mm-hmm. put them there. Someone's going to jail. And they so did not just sprout. Exactly. So someone's going to jail. This is why Trump is keeping these other two employees with him everywhere he goes is because they're looking for someone to be the fall guy. This guy looks you know, all of a sudden realizes, wait a second, I'm, the, the music stopped and there's no chair for me. You know, that's that's the case. All right. Let's well, and again, he's not he's not the fall guy per se, but they are because he wasn't charged. Mm-hmm. But they're now saying, OK, we can't get the other two to flip. Right. That co-defendants with Trump, we can't get them to flip. But we're now going to reexamine your earlier statement. And that's going to be the doorway in. And so what he's doing is saving himself in an unrelated case because, again, the cover-up is always worse than the original crime. Uh, We'll take a break. Come back. GOP debate tonight. We'll talk about that. Jeff Stein joining us on a busy Wednesday, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Scott McFarlane over at uh, CBS News has got the mug shots. <laughs> Jeff, there's Rudy. He's not having a good day. Sidney Powell, not having a good day. Here's Jenna Ellis small, smiling like she's a, you know, a frat girl at a party. And, uh, oh, there's Cheesebra. Cheesebra's got his as well. So they look so happy. <laughs> well, outside of Jenna Ellis, who actually does look happy about the whole thing. She has no other look. Have you ever? And again, I've had her on the air and I finally stopped because she missed hits and uh, is much more concerned about, you know, her own uh, image. Uh, you know, if this gives her more podcast hits. You know, hooray. Hooray. Uh, GOP debate tonight. Uh, minus Trump. Uh, already uh, a lot of Trump fans out in Milwaukee protesting that he's not there which is kind of an interesting i hope maybe i got time to ask that question in a second but uh, this this i think christie is looking for a chance to basically make his argument it's time to take the republican party back from donald trump and sure. what, whatever else comes out of that i i don't know but it, it's i think most eyes are probably gonna be on christie what's your thought on that it depends on who's watching i mean the people in the auditorium are not going to want to hear negative things about any candidate because they want it to to be sort of a kumbaya moment and let's see who can uh, be vice president i mean that's really what it is i've even seen people jokingly say it's the republican vice presidential debate because the concept is who's number 2 um i i just there's no point to having this the rnc should not be running this the national party should get out of the way. You're asking complicated questions and saying, all right, you have 60 seconds, 30 seconds for rebuttal. Shut up. This is a complete. Yes. Is my radio station airing it live? Yes. Have I said on the air it's a complete waste of time? Yes. Period. Wow. It's it is. I mean, I, I think DeSantis, the question is, can DeSantis pull out of his nosedive? 
I mean, and and maybe it is. Although I'm sorry, I see a room full of other people. that's like, okay, fine. This is this guy's easy to take down. If you can just you know kind of knock him off his pedestal with pudding and meatball, Ron. Well, then there's not much. You know, it's it's going to be difficult for 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 him to come back up. Robot Ron is going to come across as Robot Ron. That's what, and I just that's came not, up. That's, that. not, that's, use, not, that's nice. I like that. But, but that's what it is. I mean, you know, again, I've talked to him on the phone, and it's like you hear a click before he answers the question. And I think it's the uh, the audio tape that uh, is programmed to run. <laughs> uh, Borgum might not make it because of a basketball injury. Well, which now, be, now he says he's going to, you know, he's going to game on. He you, ripped his Achilles playing oh. pickup ball with his a high Achilles tear. Oh, uh, man. And, uh-huh. That's so apparently went to the doctor and they said, yeah, he, this is what would be, this is karma. You can't get people to donate money. So you say, you give me a dollar, I'll give you 20 in return so that I can meet the donor list. That's what he did to game the system. The, yeah. the fact if he had not been able to show up, that just seems like it would be fitting, wouldn't it? You're, you're paying people to donate money to you so you can be on the stage. It just seems somehow fitting. Quick last question. Yeah. If Trump is not the nominee, how, man, mm-hmm. how much of the Republican Party stays home in 2024? Mm, how much stays home and doesn't vote? Yep. Uh, 30 percent. Wow. You know, that will decimate him. Uh, Jeff Stein, once again, the Iowa Politics Report a little bit later on. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much. Hour two is coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday, Matt and Brett. So, okay, so um, Progrosian's dead. I mean, he's dead. That's been confirmed. It also sounds like the guy that founded Wagner Group is dead. He was on that plane, too. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, this is uh, the guy that ran Wagner. This was the guy that um, basically almost took over Russia in June when after the Russian government was mistreating the Wagner Corps. This is kind of almost like a, a mercenary. I mean, it's, it's not. It's, it's it, Mercenary Corps is kind of a hard way to say it. It's a it, – it's basically a um, – Kind of part of the military, but they kind of run on their own rules sort of thing, and it's kind of harder to get in there and be part of it. It's kind of an elite core, but they're also more vicious and they're more evil and they're 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 very nasty dudes. And do you know much of that you know this this is kind of the the people that you know keep screaming that if they've done that Ukraine their way, they'd have the whole country back. Yeah, they're kind of the people where uh, Putin can send them places and say, well, technically it wasn't the Russian military that did this; it was his private contractor. And if you've not paid attention ever since, so basically they were going to take over. They they marched on Moscow, and there was nothing to stop them, and they must have paid them off. I can't. I can't imagine what the payoff was to stop this because he could have literally been in charge of Russia. But they stopped. Seemed to be, you know, they, he made a deal with Putin, so he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he made a deal with Putin, so he's an idiot. He then went to Belarus, and it looked like what was going on. And right now, there's a State Department warning for all American citizens to get out of Belarus because it looks like they might try to enter into the Ukrainian war there. And they wanted to get all American personnel out of that country. And it looked like – it kind of looked like what had happened is Putin gave Progrosian Belarus as a consolation prize, for lack of a better way to say it. 
Then you saw Progrosian down in Africa doing what you just talked about, which is they send in mercenary groups, which it's, you know, until they basically the country is a pro-Russian country. It's like we have no idea who is down there. It's like, oh, look, our Russian allies helped out at the airport, you know, that sort of thing. Well, now this guy's dead. And the Wagner fighting forces, which are not loyal to Russia, they're loyal to themselves, are mad. They're now trying to come out of Belarus. Now, there's no connect direct border between Belarus and Russia, I'm not mistaken. So they're t- taking flights. Apparently, this is two hours ago. They're flying back, uh, trying to get back into Russia. Down in that town near Ukraine where the, 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 the Wagner group basically took over the town and was controlling that area. There, they still have a, a strong military presence there. Their military leaders have been, been meeting there. They seem like they put out some statements that they're very angry about this. This is not going to go well. And I don't know what Russia has done to upgrade their defenses if the Wagner group decides to mark, march on Russia again. But considering that Ukraine is flying drones into Moscow right now and they can't stop them with any kind of regularity, uh, Russia's this this could be the end of Putin. We'll have to see. But that that about the best way I can say it. That's basically taking up as much information as I can from from these sources on on, on social media that that I can go with. So, all right, that's about the best I can do. 952-946-6205. Um you and I are going are, are you when are you going to the fair? I haven't decided yet. If I do, it's probably going to be maybe Monday. Monday. Good time to go. Good day to go. Uh, I'm looking at it maybe a week from Friday. That'll be busy. I mean, But if you get out there early enough, I mean, if you know, like, like 7 or 8 in the morning, first of all, it's kind of fun. All the animals are not nearly as asleep, you know. They haven't they haven't put those wildly inappropriate sheets on top of the sheep. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what you're thinking there. That doesn't look good. That's not a good look. Uh... You can get that first milkshake over at the dairy barn. The 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 I, I would recommend wait till later in the day for the Euro stand. Those are delicious. But you saw you saw Good Morning America was out there this morning, kind of prepping it, right? They were. I did not. Oh, they. Well. Yeah, I was out when I was at the gym. I was they had Good Morning America on there out there talking about Sweet Martha's cookies and everything like that. And those poor sods, they put those two guys in the gopher costumes, and they made them do that. It was ninety or eighty degrees and humid already. Oh God! They couldn't have been happy under there. Yeah, they they definitely uh, didn't get a good deal on on their assignments. So, Racket has put out a bingo card. This is a good bingo card, but I'm going to call out one individual square because, dude, what are you doing? You'll we'll get there in a second. So here it is, Racket Minnesota's bingo card for the state fair. You can go find this on RacketMN.com. It's pretty good. Admire an ornate chicken is one box. Okay. Spot a TV meteorologist. Eat a new fair food. Try a non-traditional pickle item. Say hi to a butterfly. (gasps) Humor a soapboxing politician. That's a good one. Uh, Watch the butter bust rotate. Not bad. Did you see that Illinois... Their butter cow is on a frame. It's not solid butter. What do you do in Illinois? Come on. What a crap fair. <laughs> that, that bovine should be pure butter, top to bottom. 
delicious. Uh, use the paste like uh, gratis sunscreen. So basically, use that really heavy, thick white sunscreen. Grab a free tote from anywhere. Uh, ID booth of the fair. Uh, ID both of the fairs. Go for mascots. Free three words. Llama costume contest. If you can get into that, that's one of the toughest ones to get into. They have the free square. Hang at a free music stage. Okay. Find an airbrush techno ride. Do you want to go faster? Uh, watch dogs do tricks on the Northwoods. Scarf something on a stick. Come on. That's a weak entry. Everyone gets to do well, that. Yeah, that's, that's the free one everyone gets there. That's why they got a free square, but that's a free one. Wander through the pines at the Ag Building. That's not bad. Show off your skill at the Midway Game. Witness the miracle of birth. That's going to be a hard pass no for me. I don't need to see that. Glug a giant glass of milk. All right. Catch a, sh- a song from the music playing robot. Have you seen the music playing robot? He's usually up on the top of uh, Machinery Hill there, up by where the pet booth is on the very top northern part of the park. Can't say it's jogging a memory for me, no. It's it's obnoxious. You'll remember it for life. It will scar you or haunt your dreams. Uh, so look for that. Spot a celebrity rambling around before their show. Find your favorite seed art piece. Ask a carny where they've traveled lately. Now, I've left one of these boxes off because whereas I applaud racket for this one, I can already see the chaos that's about to ensue because of this one, the upper right corner, toss your undies from the sky glider. (laughs) You're going to be trying that one next week. I already checked that box off. Uh, <laughs> have you ever done? Now we're not talking the gondolas. We're talking the the, the the ski chalet ones, right? You know the little the little benches that come up, starts up at the top of Machinery Hill, goes down to right next to the grandstand. You know which one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. All right. I think so yeah. Have you ever done that one? No. It's already littered. You go over those buildings up on Machinery Hill and wallets, keys, glasses, and stuff like that. And there already are clothes up there. You go by the end of the fair, there's a shocking amount of clothes up on the top of those buildings that are on that gondola ride. Now you've actually given people incentive. And it's a corner box, man. You can get cross, vertical, diagonal. What are you doing? (laughs) Plus... Now we're going to have all the pervs hanging by the the the, the, the uh, sky glider. All right, I got my camera. What are you doing? We got to take a selfie with it too. Oh, for like it to count. I don't. Well, I mean, it, it just. I, I mean, I think this is by uh, by honor, but still, yeah, I mean, yeah. who who would lie about something like that? Come on, you, you're going to be honest about it. I don't want to be done with or the strawberries and cream shop is right there. I don't want to all of a sudden, boy, strawberries and cream and oh. Those are fruit of the loom. <laughs> I commend the racket for putting this together. That's a pretty solid end. That's the most avant-garde entry on this list. But, man, that's going to be freaking chaos. Is there going to be, by the end of the fair, will there be a sign saying, do not throw your underwear off this ride? It could be. It'll look like one of those uh, old concerts that we saw, like in the fifties, with Elvis, where 
<laughs> people were throwing stuff at it. Yeah, it could look like that on the top of the. Oh God! Have, you got You just sandals, flip flops, yeah. glasses, wallets. It is. It's. It's. There's a, a, a problem with a oh, wallet. Well, it's your phone too. I've seen phones up there. I'm like, didn't you need that? I gotta imagine if it's something like that, you can get the guy to come get a ladder, and someone will scroll up there and go get it. But still, it's what are you doing? <laughs> that is going to. That is going to. That is going to. Yeah, blow up, I think, in your face. I really do. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Can I also bring up one other quick little note here that I thought this was a wonderful thing? Did you see we have a new Chief Justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court? Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. Natalie Hudson is the new Chief Justice. Governor Walls announced on a Wednesday, making her the first person of color to lead the state judiciary. Congratulations. Fantastic. To fill the vacancy created by her elevation, Walls also announced the appointment of his former staff lawyer, Carl Procassini, to the seven-member court. Procassini, 40, has not served as a judge until late June. He was general counsel and deputy chief of staff for Walls. I think – I don't – what's the pro- – I mean, does there is there a review? Is it like the – I don't think there is. I think you just get – Put on the, bo- the the Supreme Court. Yeah, and then you have to get reelected at some point. Wasn't that what, what was it, Michelle? Ba- or not? Who was the? I was just going to say, uh, yeah, she ended up beating uh, Michelle McDonald in her last election. McDonald, that's right. McDon- didn't McDonald say, well, if the Democrat, if the Republicans win the governor's race this last time around, they could appoint her to the Supreme Court. I don't think the Republicans would appoint. Her. I don't think so. Considering that magical standoff at the state fair back in what 2014, that was still one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Just outright hatred between those two groups. Hudson 66 will succeed just, uh, Chief Justice Lori Gildia, Gilda, uh, Gildia, who announced her surprise retirement from the bench in June. Uh, she will leave on October 1st. Hudson is an outstanding choice to serve as Minnesota's next Chief Justice. I have had the privilege of working closely with uh, Justice Hudson on the Supreme Court for nearly eight years, and I have been impressed by her deep knowledge of the law, her uh, her spirit and her unparalleled work ethic. The chief justices set the tone of running the state's highest court and serves as the head of the judicial branch across 87 counties and the appellate courts. Hudson will oversee the expansion of camera access in courtrooms beginning in January because of a Supreme Court decision early this year. By the way, great news. Wonderful. Thank God. Have you seen the chaos that's the Wisconsin Supreme Court right now? Oh, yeah. It's it's completely the opposite of what we have in Minnesota. We're one of the few, what seems to be like nonpartisan kind of courts, even though it's kind of is. But. They've got a 4-3 majority. Now, I want to remind, before I re, re, you know, tell you what's going on in Wisconsin, I want to remind everyone how much Republicans in Wisconsin bragged about having a Republican Supreme Court. And we're going to elect this person to basically push Republican agendas. Now they've got a one-vote majority for the left. They're about to hear a case on the. Um, they're about to hear a case on the uh, the redistricting of of the, the 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 election districts in Wisconsin, and how they've been gerrymandered. The Republicans are demanding this new Supreme Court justice, the new liberal there they've got, to recuse herself from the case, or they will impeach her and throw her off the court. Now, how much that's going to do, I don't know. But Tony Evers, the governor, gets to appoint the next justice and he can do it immediately. So it's not quite sure what they could do because, I mean, I, I mean, they might try to coordinate something with the chief justice who is in the minority of the Supreme Court 
and basically say, well, we'll introduce this on this day. We'll impeach her the day before. And then before he can set someone in, you hear the case. And so henceforth, it's going to be a 3-3 tie. And henceforth, it's not going to be solved. But uh, that's it sounds like that's actually what the Republicans are going to try to do over there, is they're going to try to time this to where they can throw her off the court before Tony Evers throws, you know, you know, puts another person on the Supreme Court or just replaces her with her. They'll they'll have that court case hit hit. And so henceforth, it has to be a three, three ruling. It allows those to stay. That's what they're saying they're going to do. What a freaking what a what a freaking mess. What an absolute freaking mess over there. Uh, you know, and and just and all they're doing, and want to make sure we understand this is the Republicans have fixed the system. They're about to have it unfixed for them, and they are refusing, refusing to basically allow anyone to rule against them. So they're trying to once again think about this. What they're trying to do, they want to inter, you know, throw her off the court, introduce the court case, and then like the next day or later that afternoon. And then basically before then before Evers can put another judge on there, basically say, well, see, it's it's a 3-3 court case. And don't forget throwing her off for no reason. For no reason outside of the fact that – well, they're, they're arguing that since she's gotten money from uh, Democrats uh, that she would not rule on Democratic issues. But this is a case being brought by the Republicans. So there's no reason for her not to be there. So they're trying to make that argument. So it's – Wisconsin, what a freaking mess. Just what a mess. And gee willikers, if they only had uh, some people over there that didn't pull their freaking punches when it came to describing what's going over there and just, you know, really ripped them to shreds. Well, maybe, just maybe they, they wouldn't be in the freaking mess here. By the way, hi, Minnesota Republican Party. I'm the jackass that you love. It's the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. Right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. From one minute ago, Wagner soldiers over there in Russia saying, we're, we're, you, you, you've made us mad. I... I can't tell you how happy I'm going to be when the Russian government, current Russian government falls and we find out all the secrets about who exactly has been on their leash here in the United States. Because I guarantee you there's been a lot of people that have been getting their leash pulled by Putin. We'll have to find out. Trump must be beside himself. Now, Vladdy, Vladdy, I'm supposed to come over there when I flee. <laughs> still got well, I remember he commented earlier about Prigozhin saying, well, he could be worse than Putin, so why would we want him in? Well, gee, I wonder why. Because you're in Putin's pocket. There you go. 952-946-6205. I got a chance to just briefly t- just check in with Brianna Beerspock over at the Star Tribune. Fantastic political writer. One of my favorite writers, period. I, I love her. Um, she is a, a, a fantastic writer. I highly recommend you following her stuff. And she's got a great article today. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to join us today. I wanted to see if she could. But uh, she has a great article here, which basically um, it basically calls out the Republicans because they, they got to figure out what their plan is on abortion. And it, it just basically looking back at the last, you know, top of the ticket for the Republican Party last year, it shows you the problem they already have. Reading from the article. 
With the 2022 elections in the rearview mirror, Republican Scott Jensen now says his campaign trail promised to ban almost all abortions cost him the Minnesota governor's race, and the issue could hurt future candidates if the party doesn't rethink its strategy. I'd say that, and there are a few other things, too, there, uh, Scotty. Uh, At the same time, his running mate, former Vikings player Matt Burke, he does look like Frankenstein, Matt. Matt Burke is redoubling his work in the anti-abortion movement, calling activists who not back down in a recent op-ed and fundraising blast to raise money for a crisis pregnancy center. It's time to focus our efforts on our own backyard and make the case for why the pro-life movement isn't going away anytime soon, Burke wrote. If you haven't seen him, what was the last I just saw? Was 64% of Americans want abortion to be illegal? So sure, keep it up. Good for you. Uh, The differing stances from the former GOP ticket is a microcosm of the party's challenging following Roe v. Wade, reversal and the Democratic sweep of all Minnesota government in the midterm election. Waiting decades for the chance to shape abortion policies, Republican-led states continue to pass strict bills on the procedure, even if the issue hurts them electorally. Most recently, voters in Ohio overwhelmingly rejected a ballot measure that would have made it harder to guarantee abortion access in the state's constitution, in, in, uh, guarantee abortion access in the state's constitution, ahead of the 2024 election in which Republicans have a chance to flip control of the Minnesota House and end Democrats' trifecta. Some activists want party leaders to confront the balancing act as they energizing the Republican base without pushing away swing voters on the issue of abortion. We have to put this issue on the table, said Jennifer DeJournet, the GOP activist and operative for ballot box strategies. There is no winning statewide and there is no winning in these suburban congressional streaks and seats and some of these legislative seats unless the voter trusts us and we have some kind of cohesive position and answer to this question. I'm going to get to all this here in a second. Minnesota Republicans struggled to find that answer in 2022, including Jensen. His comment to several news outlets that would ban abortions as governor helped him win the party's endorsement, but fueled a multi-million dollar ad campaign labeling him as an extremist. Before the general election, he lost to Governor Walls by seven points. One statement that our top of the ticket made was, I will ban abortion, and that became the campaign slogan from the Democrats used to tie way around the neck of every single Republican running down the ballot, said Kelly Fenton, a former Republican Party deputy chair and legislature who ran unsuccessfully for a suburban House seat in Woodbury last fall. The reality is our position was pro-life with compassion for women who find themselves in a difficult situation, and we never got out of that chance to get that message out there. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. I'm just bull crap. I couldn't let that one go. I'll come back to a lot of this here in a second. But Kelly, what do you? The reality is our position was pro-life with compassion for women who find themselves in difficult situation. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. For God's sakes, prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned, there was hardly a Republican that spoke out against bans against abortion, which included rape, incest, and the life of the mother. You guys were cowards. You are going along with the extremist point of view. And now all of a sudden you'd want to try to portray yourselves as some sort of nuanced argument? That you were misunderstood? That you, They just didn't let us finish what we were saying? No, you had said this for 40 years. And the vast majority of your party said no exceptions. So now all of a sudden you're acting like, well, if a woman's in a difficult situation, we should be more tolerant. Bull crud! You've tried to close down every abortion clinic in the country, unless they're for wealthy white Republican women in the suburbs, because those can stay open. 
And that's an ugly reality that you guys have. This was never about banning abortion for all people because you knew that your own wealthy white Republican base would never tolerate the fact that they can't get one. So you got specialty clinics popping up in wealthy, prestigious strip malls across the country. Well, then you go on out there and you now say, well, we're not – go look at these states. You got, what, seven men in South Carolina that just today voted to basically end pretty much all abortions in the state of South Carolina. You never once were this nuanced argument. You got your asses handed to you badly in this last election. And now all of a sudden it's like, we need to revisit this. No, we understood exactly what you guys were all about. You've been screaming it for 40 years. You can't get a Republican nomination without that kind of intolerance towards freedom of choice. So for you to all of a sudden act as if we all misunderstood, no, we knew exactly who you are. And here's the real problem for you. You haven't changed one bit. You're just getting, you're trying to get better at lying. I'll talk about that more when we come back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. God, this is... This is Actually, what's this warm feeling I'm feeling? Arrests, you know, arrests and arraignment photos in, in, in Georgia. These other cases falling apart on Trump. What's about to be an imploding GOP in, in Milwaukee. Russia's about, you know, government has a legitimate chance at falling. Ah, ah, that's so nice. 952-946-6205. Hey, back to the delusional argument that Republican, moderate Republicans said, hey, you, people just didn't understand. We were kind of for abortion. No, you weren't. The Minnesota Republican Party, this is going back to Brianna Beersbach's article, Minnesota Republican Party attempted to craft a cohesive messaging strategy when it sent out a memo to candidates advising them to refer to abortion as a protected constitutional right in the state before pivoting to crime, the economy, and education. That's that, and that's what they, it's protected here. I don't know what makes you think we could ever change it because you could. Hey, let's talk about Minneapolis black people. That's what it means. That was kind of how they did it. Abortion access is protected by the state in the 1995 state Supreme Court ruling, but that talking point rang hollow against the backdrop of Rose's demise and the Democrats' attacks. The story is different for 2024, according to Republicans and anti-abortion groups. After a session where Democrats passed an expansive agenda to codify abortion rights, that included no uh, gestational limits on the procedure and eliminated the 24-hour waiting period and an informed consent requirement in law, which they argue went further than most Minnesotans wanted. Most Minnesotans now there are tried. It's like we were, we were always for some people getting abortions. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. This is going back to Kathy Blazer, uh, the executive director of Minnesota Citizens Concern for Life. Loss. Most Minnesotans are reasonable when it comes to abortion policy. Most of the Minnesotans are. The Republicans aren't. Stop trying to portray yourself as some sort of nuanced argument on this. You were never, 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 never. That was your entire argument. We heard you loud and clear. You got your wish when you overturned Roe v. Wade and Minnesota decided to 
elect Democrats and keep things protected. So you now trying to argue is like, <laughs> I just got an abortion yesterday. Come on. We know, we heard what you said. They don't want abs- abortion absolutism and the radical and extreme agenda that's imposed on them. No, no one's imposing a legislation. It's just if someone needs help, they can now have it here and there's no roadblocks or speed bumps or anything where you're demanding you know, waiting periods and they have to go to a crisis center and they have to have three notes from a doctor and it has to be taken care of in a, in a hospital. And No. Um, the, basically, uh, this is not what Minnesota has asked for in the 2020 election. Actually, kind of 2022 election. Actually, it is. Jensen's recent reflections on abortion, both in an op-ed and a podcast interview, represented one of the biggest turnarounds in the issue since the midterm campaign when he maintains he's still opposed to abortion. He said policy turnaround, uh, policy should be left up to the voters, which some Democrats are also pushing in the form of a constitutional amendment. As a physician, he's supportive of expanded access to birth control and contraceptives and paid leave for new parents. Johnson hasn't ruled out another run for governor in 2026. Good luck with that. Uh, as he goes to another anti-vaxxer meeting. National polling shows a majority of Americans are in favor of some access to the procedure. Those numbers increase when sampling younger voters and people who live in suburban and metro areas, two, vo- uh, two voting demographics that Republicans are struggling to capture, said Becky Schur, a former Republican Party staffer and campaign strategist. It's not necessarily that these women in the suburbs want to be advocating for all abortions all the time, but they think it's ridiculous not to have this choice, said Schur, who actually supports abortion rights. Schur said Republicans are caught with their pants down in 2022 after the Supreme Court overturned Roe, despite working towards a goal for decades. We were suddenly in this situation where we had no uh, solution in place, and Democrats really seized on that. Looking ahead to 2044, she said the party should do a better job at coming to an issue with compassion and talking about policies that are supportive of families after they give birth. For Republicans, you can't ignore it. Sure said we need to make sure we stop letting Democrats define us before we define ourselves. No, 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 no. We are not defining you. You have defined yourself. The only reason why you are anything doing what you're doing right now, the only reason is because you got your trousers handed to you in the election. And now all of a sudden you're saying, you know, it, it's the person who basically says, I want a steak, I want a steak, I want a steak, I want a steak, I want a steak. And the wife says, fine, I'm divorcing you. It says, well, I never just was only steak. I would, I'd be willing for a salad. No, we heard you loud and clear. You basically were completely against it. And most of the Republican Party didn't even want to have options for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. And you keep saying, well, the Constitution is it's endorsed there. You can change the Constitution. And trust me, there's a lot of Republicans. And here's where your problem is. I mean, let's let's unpack this because I've talked about this a few times because it needs to be known. There's no way in hell that most of these Republicans are going to ever get a nomination for a position without being anti-abortion. They have to, to get the Republican nomination, they're going to have to be because the loon ball fringe are the ones who basically elect Republicans in the primaries. So every one of them has to go on the record of I'm against it, to which immediately the very next day say, I don't know where you got the idea. I'm against this. I think we could have a rational discussion. 
You have a Republican Party. There are Republicans right now in the state of Minnesota in elected office who basically are saying that they are going to, if they get in charge, they're going to push to ban all abortion policies in the state of Minnesota to to make sure Minnesota doesn't have a choice. And here is the ugly truth about the Republican Party. When moderates and extremists and the Republican side get together, whose agenda gets passed? Is it the moderate Republican's agenda or is it the extremist Republican agenda? It's the extremist Republican agenda because the Republicans are based on a model that basically says, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. And so, and we see this play out in the U.S. House all the time. The U.S. House, you have moderate Republicans there who are consistently voting with the far extreme right of the party. And they come on out here and say, yeah, even though I disagreed with 90% of that bill, I still felt that 10% was important enough for me to sacrifice all my values and everything I've said. Vote Republican. That's what they were doing. That's what they've done. So all you born-again pro-choice Republicans who keep insisting, you guys misunderstood what we've been saying for 40 years over and 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 over again. We weren't really against abortion. We just wanted common sense regulations. Please. The reality is you get, say you do trick your suburb. You do trick some young kids into voting for you. What happens when you are all of a sudden in St. Paul and a a bill comes in that's being pushed by the far right? Are you going to be like, wait a second here. Come on, guys. I'm at I'm at least for making sure that that you know, you know, women, especially women whose health are being jeopardized, or in cases of rape or incest, or at least up to the you know the, the first trimester. Come on, we want to make sure this is. We need to make sure it's easily accessible. We want to make sure all these things. Come on, God, no, of course not. They're going to go quiet. They're going to sit still. They're going to be terrified of the screaming howler monkeys that are the far right of the party. And basically, when it comes to vote, they're basically going to vote. I want to remind people, if you think to me, you think, Matt, you know, you're missing the point. No, we're not going to do that. You made the Republican Party of Minnesota made Scott Jensen vote against his insulin bill, his own insulin bill, because they didn't want it passed. This was his bill. He championed it. And when it came down to final passage, they ordered him to not vote for it. And he had to comply. That is who the Republican Party is. It's not about unique ideas and individualism. It's about all the fish swimming in the same direction. So when these Republicans are out there now, hey, no, I'm not I'm not saying you guys haven't identified the problem. I think you have identified the problem. The question here comes down to do you have any ability to to back up what you should say what you're saying? And of course not. 
And the reality is, is I think you're all a bunch of freaking liars. I think you're all lying that if all of a sudden far-right extremist white male Republicans from outstate Minnesota came in here and say, we're going to put in a – we're going to try to pass a constitutional amendment to, to ban all abortion in the state of Minnesota uh, and, and not even life of the mother, incest or rape, nothing, nothing. That it's, that's, 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 that's what we're going to do. That you guys would – you guys are not going to stand up and say, wait a second. That's too far. No, you're not. You don't have spines. What you'll come out and say is, well, we decided to vote along with this so that we could start with a blank slate, and we're going to try to bring back some of these abortion rights. But we had to start, we had to undo all the Democrats had, and so to do that, we had to go back to, no, me. I'm going to introduce a bill at some point here to, to maybe think about allowing abortion for rape and incest. Come on. And the life of the mother. What am I, heartless? It's just illegal now. And I voted to make it illegal now. The only I I, I want to just tell you, I mean, do not trust the Republicans on this issue because there is nothing that tells me that they have any intent. I have a lot of people here. You got a lot of strategists, a lot of people who are like, boy, oh, boy, we need to change our opinion. Okay, fine. Change the party platform. Fine. There's your solution. Show us you are committed to this. By changing your party's platform to where you all vow, because they all they, they, they do that blood oath thing to their, their party platform. You go on out there and say, we are, we'll make sure abortion is legal with some minor restrictions on it. Or even just say, we're going, to, we're going to make sure abortion is clearly going to be legal for all people of rape, incest, or the life of the mother. And we're not going to make people have to prove they were raped or, 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 or prove that it was incest or you know, have 16 doctors check off on, on whether the life of the mother really is in jeopardy. And even if they all come out and they say, yep, it is, we still basically have to have some white guy who's not even a doctor sign off on it in a Republican Party headquarters. You got to get past that. Plus, then you're going to have to at least say ten. Well, I, I'm not even going to say ten weeks. I think in Minnesota, if you're going to have your message resonate at all, it needs to be for the, through the first trimester. It needs to be, you know, twelve weeks. It's going to have to be. Change your Republican Party of Minnesota platform. Show me that you have the ability to change. Show us this, because unless you do that. No one should trust you for anything. Now, do I think some people in the Republican Party might try to change that? Well, okay. Would they change it to a point where they would say we're more tolerant of other people's positions on abortion? They might try to pull that off. That we're not absolutists and we understand that some people in our party can have different opinions. We're not going to kick you out. But the problem comes in is that unless you put out on abortion specifically what you will and will not allow in your party platform, no one should trust you. No one should trust you at all. Because the reality is. You for 40 years. I mean, look at you. Look at how disingenuous this whole, all these quotes are from the Republicans. 
40 years. I have been to your rallies pre-primary. I have been in rooms with Republicans who will tell you that. I'll tell you what. I have heard Republicans in this state say, you know what? A lot of people say they got raped. You can't have an exception for rape because people then everyone will say they got raped and then all of a sudden it's it's pointless to have that. So you can't have an exception for rape. Life of the mother, I've, I've, I've heard Republicans in this state actually make the argument, life of the mother, well, if Jesus wants mom dead, well, how am I supposed to argue? You need to put this in a platform that you are tolerant of abortion, that abortion, the official Republican Party of Minnesota platform is that you will tolerate abortion up to 12 weeks and that, of course, there will be exceptions for the life of the mother and that there will be exceptions uh, that you don't have to make, you know, uh, you know, a 17 year old get, you know, every relative to sign off on a form and that a, that you these can be performed in clinics, not in a hospital emergency room of a certain size. You're not going to do that. <laughs> can I let me, uh, let me I hate to ruin it for everybody out there in case you thought, oh, wow, they're going to do that. No, they're not. They're not going to do that. They're going to put out some window dressing. They're going to put out some fake piety. They're going to put, hey, we're the new hip Republican Party. We've changed. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Because unless you put that in the party platform, what you should hear whenever you hear these so-called suburban born-again Republicans who all of a sudden say, well, abortion is not nearly the issue that it is, you should remember that they will all, every single one of them, Every single one of them will vote with the most extremist far-right Republicans when they try to pass that bill because none of them have the guts to actually go out there and say, wait a second here. Nope. Let's make sure we get – that's your problem. Good luck with that, by the way, Republicans. Good luck because, frankly, I can say this from authority – uh, pretty much everyone under the age of 25 hates you right now in the state of Minnesota. Hates you. So yeah, yeah, just, 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 just good luck with that. Nine five. Well, not everybody, but a lot of them do. Far, far worse numbers than for, say the baby boomers that do like you. Generation Z is turning out to be a nightmare generation for the Republican Party. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM nine fifty. It's it's amazing that they're trying to put this 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 line out there. The only way you're going to convince anyone that you guys have changed on abortion is you're going to have to put it in your party's platform. By the way, I picked it. I called it. I told Brett during the break. Said when the Twins went up seven six in the uh, top of the tenth inning, I said, "Watch this. They're about to lose to the Brewers eight seven. They lost to the Brewers eight seven. Thank you very much." Rocco Baldali needs to be fired. He's he's a, one of the worst freaking managers I've ever seen. He just he is so out of his league. When he lost that pitching coach that he brought with him initially, when he lost him, he just basically lost. He, I mean, he was the guy that was I think keeping this team somewhat decent at times. Got to fire Rocco. Uh, anyway, uh, I feel sorry for Velva, North Dakota. Do you know Do you know why Velva, North Dakota, is known? I do not know. You have no idea. That is where the Dots pretzels came from. Oh. That basically about 
six years ago took over everywhere. And they're delicious. Have you had them? Have you had the dots? I did. Yeah. Oh, they're tasty. Those, yeah. Those are tasty pretzels. The Hershey Company plans to close the Dots pretzel, pretzel factory in Velva, North Dakota, citing physical limitations and costs associated with the building. The closure will affect 27 employees, according to Inform, who will be offered a severance package or the chance to work at alternative positions at Hershey plants in Illinois or in Kansas. The plant will officially cease operations on October 27th. Hershey brought Dots Pretzels and Pretzels, Inc., in a $1.2 billion deal in November 2021 from Dot Henke, the Velva resident who created the original umami-flavored Dot's pretzels in her kitchen more than a decade ago. Hershey spokesperson Todd Scott confirmed the closure on Tuesday, sharing the following statement. As you may know, Dot's Pretzels is the fastest-growing U.S. pretzel brand and is one of the Hershey Company's leading power brands in our portfolio of salty snacks. <laughs> Oh, God. If, uh, thank God I never had to work in a company like that. <laughs> I'm I'm the assistant regional manager for the Salty Snacks division. <laughs> You're the great business card. Uh, but to maintain that position, we must increase our capacity and improve efficiency at our manufacturing plans to continue to grow the brand. Due to the physical limitations of the building and cost associated with the Velva facility, it has led us to the hard decision to cease operations and close the facility. Our goal is to ensure everyone is supported during this period of change, with Velva hourly employees uh, being offered the option of relocation to settle plants, uh, select plants within the Hershey Manufacturing Network. Uh, those electing not to relocate will be offered a severance package. The package includes a lump sum payment subsidized by COBRA healthcare payments and outplacement assistance. I guarantee you there's nothing, there's no other jobs in that town that they're going to be able to find quickly. Now, you're going to, I think a lot of people will look at the story and they'll say, darn you, Hershey. And yeah, I mean, this is what Hershey does. But as a, I know, I've said this before, and this one shocks a lot of people, probably more than me being a veteran of the U.S. Army. Uh, I'm a business major from William Penn. I know. <laughs> Salty snacks. Anyway, um, this is what businesses do. They acquire companies. They acquire businesses. They consolidate. They maximize profit. That's what they're doing. And you have a plant with a total of 27 employees. It's not a big facility. So the question then comes in, do you build another plant and, and at a cost to have them up in freaking North Dakota, which is hard to get to? You know, you have to get products further south, all the east, all the west. Of course, they were going to close that plant down and move things. The person you should probably get upset about is Dot Henke. If you're upset about this this plant closing, then you get mad at her. But I don't know how you really can. I mean, she gets offered one point two billion for her for pretzel business she started in her own house. That's that's the American success story. But if if she's out there right now saying, well, I was promised they wouldn't close down the plant, well, you are a fool because that's how business works in this country nowadays. And if you were dumb enough to sell your, 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 your company and think that they were going to just keep your company up and running like this, I'm sorry, you, 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 you deserve most of the blame for this closing down. I mean, that's, and that's reality. And it's a sad thing because that's going to be 27 employees and probably the, the town of Velva is probably going to have a hard time after this. Native Roots Radio up next. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.